Well, it's moments like these that make you ask, how can you not be pedantic about baseball? If baseball were different, how different would it be? On the case with Light Riffin, all analytically, cross-check and compile, find a new understanding, not effectively, while I can you not be pedantic? Yes, when it comes to baseball, how can you not be pedantic? Hello and welcome to episode 2061 of Effectively Wild, a Fangraphs baseball podcast brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I'm Meg Rowley of Fangraphs and I am joined as always by Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Ben, how are you? Not bad. How are you? I am fine. (laughs) All right. Eventful intro as always. And so we will move on to the banter portion of the podcast. I did have one observation about... Mm. Big Sexy Bartolo Colon, who retired as a member of the Mets this past weekend. And you might say Bartolo Colon wasn't retired already? No, not officially. This is part of the tradition of baseball players and athletes in general retiring long after I think everyone else assumed that they were retired. Sometimes athletes are maybe the last to know (laughs) that they're retired or the last to accept it. And then they'll announce, hey, I'm retiring. And we all say, oh, I thought you already did. Okay, congrats. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Bartolo Colon retired as a Met. There was a pregame ceremony. He threw out the first pitch. He got a jersey, et cetera, et cetera. I think this has got to be the oldest former player to have a retirement ceremony Mm. like this. I challenge any listeners, invite any listeners to find an example of someone older than Cologne having the official retirement announcement because typically – You will announce your retirement shortly after you stop playing. Bartolo Colon has not pitched in the majors since 2018. He subsequently pitched in the Dominican and Mexico, but it's been a while, right? Yeah. And honestly, I I don't (laughs) – do you remember the the 2017 portion of Colon's career when he pitched for Atlanta and Minnesota – so he had an 8-plus ERA in 63 innings for the Braves and then a 5-plus ERA in 80 innings for the Twins. And then in 2018, he had a near 6 ERA in almost 150 innings for the Rangers. So you kind of remember him as a Met at the tail yeah. end, and I guess that's how he wants to be remembered. But yeah. he had that little journeyman phase there at the end. But he just said, hey, the fans in New York, they get me. I had a great time here. He spent more time and won more games in Cleveland and in Anaheim than he did with the Mets, but he wants to go down as a Met. Okay, great. Usually, though, athletes will retire sooner (laughs) after their last playing year, right? And also, if they don't, if there is a several-year gap between when they last played and when they officially retire, it's usually because they were younger than Bartolo Colon when they last played. And so they could at least maintain the fiction. They could talk themselves into thinking, I could get back out there, right? Whereas Bartolo Colon was in his age 45 season the last time he was in the majors, and he is now 50 years old. So I don't know that anyone past 50 has ever done the, okay, I'm announcing my retirement. I'm I'm done now. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm also trying to think of, you know, we have we have some current players that depending on how loosey-goosey with their own timelines they want to be could challenge for this idea, right? Mm-hmm. But it would take a little bit of doing. Yeah, I can't. 
I don't know. Some of it is probably like a, a natural kinship with the team and the fan base that he feels. Do you think that every team would have let the shirt say Big Sexy? <laughs> Do you think every know. team would have been like, yeah, all right, Bartolo, we got Maybe you. Maybe not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there, there's there's bound to be a... A prudish or uh, the Royals wouldn't have let him do that. I mean, it wouldn't have fit for a number of reasons anyway, but like they probably would have been like that you put an asterisk where the X is or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, he fit in. The, the people loved him. He had some of his yeah. memorable moments. Obviously, he hit his home run as a uh. Met, which uh, if he were going to be a member of the Hall of Fame, then that would have to be at the top of the plaque. And he also had that extraordinarily athletic behind-the-back flip play on a yes. grounder down the line with the Mets. So, yeah. yeah, he didn't win his Cy Young with the Mets. He won a pennant with the Mets. But yeah. but really, those two plays and the home run, I mean, that's what everyone remembers yeah, about him. That was in a Mets uniform. Like Adam Jones, for instance, also just retired yes. as an Oriole. And that was nice, right? He signed the traditional one-day contract and there were some pregame festivities Adam Jones is only 38 years old. He last played in the majors in 2019, and he has been active as recently as 2021. He was playing in NPB, right? So that's kind of an example of, okay, he's still in his 30s. Or Jose Batista earlier this year yeah. did the, I think, the one-day contract, retire as a Blue Jay thing. And Jose Batista is 42, right? right? And he's been out of the game, I guess, about as long as Bartol has, but was younger, right? So sometimes it's, it's just like they don't get around to it for a while. And sometimes yeah. I'll be very surprised to read that so-and-so retired. And I would have assumed that that happened long ago. But the thing is, when there is a long gap... Like Bernie Williams, my favorite player as a kid, yeah. he last played in the majors in 2006, yeah. and he didn't officially retire until 2015. Yeah. So there's there's a very long period in there where he was not playing. He was clearly done, but yeah. he was not. He hadn't filed the papers, and ultimately he did maybe just because the Yankees were about to retire his number, and it was right, like, right. can't, like retire oh, his, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't retire his number unless he is retired. So that was an unusually long gap, but he was 46 at the time, even so. Yeah. So 50 is a very advanced age. And obviously, Cologne played to an advanced age, but you'd think that if you played to that advanced an age, that would mean the turnaround would be right. quicker between yeah. when you stop playing. Yeah, because you're like, no, I'm really, yeah. I'm really quite done. Right, exactly. Yeah. It, it's like Julio Franco, for instance, it played until he was even older than Cologne, but he officially retired or announced his retirement when he was 49. He subsequently played professionally, internationally, so I guess he's sort of unretired. Jamie Moyer, I don't think mm. he has retired officially. I mean, he may have signed the papers and done the paperwork, but... I don't think, at least from quick Googling, that he has announced his retirement. He's done other things. He's been a broadcaster. He's 60 years old. <laughs> but but I don't know if he had, at any point, even when he was 50 and he hadn't pitched for a couple of years, he said he hadn't closed the door on coming back. Maybe he still hasn't. I, I actually would prefer that he never officially announced his retirement. But Yeah, but he's in the Mariners Hall of Fame. So, like, uh -huh. <laughs> I yeah. think... You know, yeah. you know, like I was there, Ben. I was there the day it happened. Mm -hmm. I just, it would be, it would sure be something. It would be, I mean, honestly, it would be cool for him to say that he is officially retired and then come out of retirement and try to mount a comeback. Like that yeah. would be, I think, even mm -hmm. 
cooler. And then like you look at like like Rich Hill's just probably gonna still be pitching by then. You know, he's Maybe. just gonna be a the pitching Padres guy. Yeah. Placed him on waivers I and know. no one claimed him. But <laughs> we we claim him in our hearts on we waivers. Do. We always we would. Say, hey Rich, how you doing? Yeah. yeah. But I feel like if and when Rich Hill stops pitching he seems like the type to just say I'm done now and maybe just announce that he's retired. Like he's yeah. clearly been talking about it and thinking about it for a while. So I don't know if he'll string us along for several years. Who knows? Maybe he will. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone can beat Bartolo's 50, and I mean for like an official retirement announcement slash ceremony slash doing the I'm retiring with this team or the one day contract deal. That's what I'm talking about here. Not like someone finally tracks someone down and says, hey, are you retired? Oh, yeah. I should have mentioned that several years ago. Yes, I've been retired for a while. But like an official festivity of sorts. I, I think this is this is pretty advanced for that. But yeah. that fits with Bartolo's career. So this this actually made me think, how would you prefer your favorite player to go out? Because mm. last week we talked about Zach Greinke and how at least win-loss-wise, he's had a lousy perhaps last season, as has Adam Wainwright, who's trying valiantly to get to his 200th win. But would you prefer that a player whose career you enjoyed go out on top or hit rock bottom the way that Wainwright has? Not that it has to be either or, but Say you have a, a Mike Messina or a David Ortiz who pitches or hits so well in their final season yeah. that that you think, wow, this is great. I, I got to see them at the top of their game even at the end. Never saw them slump. Never saw them get embarrassed or look overmatched. But also, I was left wondering, could they have continued to play? Why don't they come back? Why are they calling it a career now? Or... The career like Wainwright or perhaps Granke, where you could say they went on too long, that maybe they should have retired a year or two earlier. But also, there's the certainty that I value of, okay, it's done. It's over now. <laughs> it was proven that they had to retire. It was time to do that. Which would you prefer? I prefer them going out on top, mm -hmm. personally. I guess maybe I am more comfortable with the lack of certainty than you are, Ben, mm -hmm. um, which is shocking given our relative uh, baseline anxiety levels. <laughs> it's already a sad thing, right? There's already a melancholy when a player retires. And that melancholy tends to be heightened when the final showing he gives us is not up to his usual standard or our expectation of him. And could we stand to maybe chill about that? I mean, I guess, but it's really nice when they get to go out looking like our sort of mind's eye view of them. It seems to make it a little easier to bear, you know. And some of this has to do with my experience of Felix and his his decline and how it felt that, yeah. you know, you were sort of denied the moments with him that you expected to get. And then even even at the end, you didn't get the version of him that you had come to love so much. So I I want him to be able to walk away going like, you know, you, you might think that I could still be doing this. Mm. And, and the reality is that, like, why do we think that? It's so hard. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's amazing that any of them do that at all at any point at any age. So yeah. the downside, of course, is that 
the retirement tours can kind of wear a little bit after a <laughs> while. Although it is fun to see all of the, I'm going to do a swear, all the weird shit teams are like we're gonna yes. give you this like did mm-hmm. you want boots you get some mm-hmm. boots you know how yep. many pairs of boots are the rangers giving away to guys like it seems like they got <laughs> do they have like a warehouse full of boots it is texas <laughs> i suppose but they just like you know giving boots away and i really like the oil paintings because mm-hmm. um w- what's up with that you know where's that yeah. gonna go yeah. does, does miggy have an office that he needs to have a, a painting in you know because mm-hmm. he got a painting from the yankees they're like here's a painting of yourself you know i love that too <laughs> yeah 10 years ago or whatever it was i wrote a short story for baseball prospectus about chipper jones's retirement gifts yeah. and how he had to use all of them somehow in his retirement mm. and found a way to use the surfboard someone gave him or yeah. <laughs> whatever right so I do enjoy that odd tradition, but I think I disagree. I think I actually, I don't want a player I really like walking away, leaving me wondering if they had more in the tank. I mm. want to know that the tank was empty. Okay. <laughs> now, I don't want them to be embarrassed or miserable necessarily. I don't want them to go out with a near eight ERA the way that Adam Wainwright has. I don't think that's ideal, but I would rather have them go out not looking like their peak selves, because uh, if I'd been a big David Ortiz fan, I probably would have been wishing, hey, no, come back. You're still like the best hitter in baseball. Don't leave now. Or I was a big Mike Messina fan, and he went out on a high note. He won 20 games for the first time ever in 2008, and he just rode off into the sunset. And at the time, I thought, well, he's going to maybe have a hard time getting into the Hall of Fame, even though he should. And I cared about that more at the time and I thought maybe if he pads those stats you know he's only 30 wins away from 300 maybe he could get there if he stuck around for a couple seasons so there's the the milestone accomplishment stat padding aspect of things and I just I don't want to think that I was not robbed but deprived that I missed out lost out on seeing some more peak performance from a player I really enjoyed So I like the knowledge that, okay, it was over, you know, and I would think that maybe it could even be helpful for the player, because if you go out on top, if you never have the experience of failure, and David Ortiz had some rough stretches and Messina had had a a rough penultimate season, at least ERA wise, so they got a, a taste of struggles and failure and people wondering if they were done. And maybe that's the best if... You have a Pujols end where maybe not that long a decline phase, but you got to see that he was kind of cooked, but then also he had this semi-miraculous resurgence, this feel-good story at the very end. So that was maybe best of both worlds. But I would think if I were an athlete and I never really looked old, even if I felt old, someone like Chipper Jones was good right up until the end too, but he had injury issues. You know, sometimes it's it's harder to stay on the field and get to the field and your pregame routine is a lot longer and more elaborate and there's just more wear and tear, but you manage to make it work and only you know that it's harder for you to do than it used to be. But if I were performing at that level right up until the end, I think it would be hard for me to adjust to the next phase of my life and say, okay, that's over. I can't keep up anymore. I can't do it anymore. That means there's a finality to it and a closure to it. And now I must move on to the post-playing portion of my life. 
Well, I mean, Ben, I think you have to accept the fact that it is probably a deeply disorienting, impossible feeling transition, regardless of what the final season is like. Yes. Like, I, I was thinking about this within the context of some of the executive firings we've had. And obviously, like, Bloom wasn't in Boston all that long, but you look at some of the Red Sox guys, or White Sox guys, rather, it was all the socks, you know? <laughs> it was just a devastating time to be a sock-related yeah. um, guy of any sort. But what I was going to say was, uh, it's not a reason to retain execs who are proving to, to not work organizationally, but... It just has to be profoundly disorienting to, like, wake up that first day and just not go. Just not mm-hmm. go in to work that day. Like, you know, I think about some of these guys who have been like, like, if Cashman ever got let go, Cashman's been doing that job, like, almost as, if, most of my life he's been yeah, doing that job. Like, imagine, Most of his life at this point. Yeah, right. And I'm, just I'm not... I'm not advocating for him being fired or retained. I I, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I'm not, that's not the purpose of this particular thought, but Mm -hmm. like, imagine that he got fired tomorrow and then, you know, he wakes up on Wednesday, a day one works and is like, what do I do with myself? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that for all of these guys, you're just gonna have months and months and months where you are completely unmoored from what to do. And this isn't unique to baseball players. Like I think a lot of people who are boomers and therefore get to retire um, have the sense of like, what do I do with myself? Like, you mm-hmm. know, I keep telling my dad, I'm like, dad, you're going to need some hobbies. Like, what do you, <laughs> yeah, you need some no. hobbies? You know, people He's struggle not, with that. Yeah. yeah especially, especially if they've been in the limelight and had some yeah. high profile career. I, I was reading that excerpt in the Atlantic from Mitt Romney's upcoming biography. Mm. And he was talking about how one of the reasons that senators cling to power is that some of them have tried retirement and it just didn't take and they felt like they were put out to pasture and that they were just going off to die if they stopped being senators. And so some of them are just clinging to those seats, you know, just might die in those seats because they don't want to leave. And I'm sure that a lot of people, plenty of people are like, oh, wow, this is great, actually. I mean, a lot of people, you know, maybe like uh, hardworking, high achiever types are, are perhaps less likely to dream of retirement or adjust smoothly to retirement. But I'm sure a lot of them are like, oh, this is actually quite nice. <laughs> you know, like maybe Brian Cashman wakes up and says, gosh, I've been in this organization since 1986 and I've been just uh, kicking my own ass and my own ass has been kicked by Steinbrenners and the press. And people questioning me constantly mm. and I could just go away and no one will bother me or question yeah. me. Wow, maybe this is a revelation. I spent my entire adult life doing something and not knowing the alternative, right? And yeah. maybe he'll just be happy going golfing or whatever. Or maybe he'll feel like he he misses it, right? He misses yeah. the excitement and the challenge and all of that. So I'm sort of sympathetic to people not wanting to walk away, but Also, sometimes it's time to go. And that is why I think sometimes it takes a long time for players to announce their retirements because they're coming to terms with it themselves. But that's why I just feel like when we talked about that Jason Stark idea, that idea that was going around for a veterans home run derby and some of the players who were supporting it, like David Ortiz, was gung-ho. 
And I was thinking, yeah, because he led the majors in home runs his last year, so he never really knew what it was to get old on a baseball field and not be able to go deep with that type of regularity. Like right. he, he was still able to do that until the end of his career. And so unless and until he is faced with knowing that he can't do it anymore, then some part of him is probably going to be thinking, hey, last time I tried to do this, I could do it. I was it. able so, to, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I still can. So I feel like mentally it would be helpful to be forced to confront the fact that you can't do it anymore as much of a humbling experience and kind of a comeuppance as that would be. Maybe it would actually help usher you into the next phase of your life. Maybe, Ben. Maybe. I... I have so many thoughts about the senator thing, but none of them are uh, ones that will prevent us from getting emails. So I'm going to keep those all to my little <laughs> self and simply express some um, sympathy for how difficult it is to navigate change as we age. And I imagine, to your point, like, when you are at the peak of your profession, when you are going out on as high a note as Ortiz, like... How much have you had to really grapple with the reality of your skill? We all tend to imagine ourselves as the the younger, stronger, more flexible, able to drink three beers versions of ourselves. And then we are confronted with reality at some point and go, you know, mm-hmm. not only can I only do one, but really important to take days off in between. So. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. You know, we are we're just trapped in a relationship with ourselves our entire lives. And some of them are better than others. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, stretches of it are, are rockier, or happier than others. And I just can't, you know, I feel like we we're you and I we're in, we're each in a, a good spot professionally. I think we feel um, satisfied with the job we do more often than not. And even we have days where we're like, you know, that wasn't the best uh, that I had. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have it today. It wasn't my best effort. And no one is watching us most of the time that we're doing that, you know, except for like our pets. And they don't even know our names. So who could they tell, Ben? You know, <laughs> who could they tell? They, could t- they couldn't say, you know. Uh, that Meg, she's not, she doesn't have it today. That edit, it was only okay. Cause like Babs is like just so happy mm-hmm. her butt's normal again. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, and I'm happy cats, for her. Hold on just a second. Cats, cats yeah. could <laughs> yeah. participate in a cat home run derby years after their retirement because cats are magical, man. They, they, that butt looked so weird and it looks so normal now shocking shocking you know people at jordan schusterman's i know oh yeah people have been clamoring for for an update on this i i've seen at least one oh, well, person claim for that sure, babs she's doing great and now and now i comment on how normal her butt looks at least once a week i'm like babby that little butt is so normal looking now good for you sweetie yeah cats <laughs> In defense of my dog, I think she knows my name, <laughs> but she doesn't know if I'm having a right. good or bad day at work. She can't. And she, she accepts so me either way. maybe she knows your name, Ben, but she can't read, you know? And that's that's fine. She's a dog. That is you know, true. if she could read, we mm-hmm. shouldn't do the mm-hmm. podcast anymore and you should be taking her on some kind of circuit. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to return, I think, to the theme of mm. having to be stuck with ourselves for our entire okay. lives a little later in the podcast. Just... Do you have any thoughts on the Tampa Bay ballpark announcement, which is basically just that 
there's yeah. going to be an announcement on Tuesday. So we don't have a ton of details, but we know that they have a deal. They have a deal it seems, and that apparently it's going to yeah. be right next door, more or less. <laughs> so after all the roving, looking for where are we going to have a, a raised ballpark, if it's even going to be in the yeah. Tampa-St. Petersburg area, turns out that it's going to be yeah. in St. Petersburg again, and it's going to be another domed yeah. artificial turf park. It's going to be 30,000 seats, and seemingly it's going to be Half or yeah. more paid by the Rays, which is, you know, by the standards of teams uh, taking advantage of municipalities to get sweetheart ballpark deals. I guess it could be worse. Very the standards low. are extremely Wildly low for low. how bad it could be. Anyway, it's in the 86-acre historic gas plant district, which sounds historic lovely. <laughs> gas honestly, plant I've, district. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to denigrate the gas historic gas plant, plant district. I, district. I haven't spent a ton of time there myself. It's been a while since I've been in the Tampa St. Petersburg area, but it, it it sounds perhaps less nice than it is. I don't know. I'm just saying. But they're going to put a ballpark up there, and supposedly it's going to be open for the 2028 season. The TROP lease expires in 2027, so it would just be ready to go. So if this is final, final then it would put an end to all the talk of the Rays playing somewhere else, right? Moving to Nashville, doing a split season in Madness, Montreal, just like which a was really never viable. Wild, but <laughs> bizarre, untrue, real, yes. weird thing. But, but we will not have no. to even entertain the fiction that that could happen. And in theory, that could open up a window for yes. expansion potentially, right? So. What do you think of the larger implications of this and I guess the more local well, implications Well, I have of this? spent absolutely no time in the historic gas plant district. Um, I it, you, <laughs> Did you ever uh, see the movie Miss Congeniality, Ben? You remember in Miss mm -hmm, Congeniality mm -hmm. when... No. <laughs> Whatever I, you're about to say. Well, no, Vic I don't. But Victor I did see it. asked Gracie Hart, like, why is New Jersey called the Garden State? Because if you all recall, she is an undercover FBI agent trying to save um, the, the women of the Miss United States pageant. Uh, and so she goes undercover as right. Miss New Jersey. And she says, because oil and petrochemical refinery state wouldn't fit on a license plate. And now I'm going to think about that every time I mm -hmm. hear where um, their new ballpark is going to be. My understanding was that People were like, that's far away from where people live. And so the traffic there is often bad. Yes. And so what if we were to put the ballpark not in St. Pete, but more proximate to where people mm -hmm. live in the greater Tampa Bay area? I understand that it is not a it's you named it. The, you named your team the Tampa Bay Rays. So like when we all say Tampa Bay and it's like a body of water and then Tampa Bay Rays fans get mad at us. Like I'm just saying that, OK, but take it up with your team. They named it this. Why is it my fault? Anyway, it seems like it would have been nice if it were closer to people, but if the people of that actual municipality did not want to pay even what they would be required to under the terms of this deal as we understand them, then like I guess that made the decision easy for the raise in a way that I mean in a derogatory sense to be clear. I guess it's good like that we can talk about expansion more and I will say 
having previously stated that the trap would be a place I would feel great affection for having never been there. If I were a Tampa Bay Rays fan, it does seem like people are ready to move on from that ballpark. So I think Mm -hmm. if we are grading, good for there to be a new ballpark, good for it to happen relatively proximate to the existing fan base and have them not lose a team because boo to relocation. Bad that it is not fully funded by the Tampa Bay Rays because we don't support public financing of stadiums on this podcast regardless of the percentage. And I guess now everyone can stop trying to learn French if they were contemplating that as a split destination team. And Mm -hmm. expansion could be very cool and interesting, but I return to my prior point about public financing and feel like that will cast a pall over the entire expansion process because one expects that Mm -hmm. the cities that will ultimately prove to be victorious in their expansion efforts will be the ones willing to pay for the most of a new ballpark. And we, as we have previously said, don't support that. So I don't know. It's like a mixed, it's a real mixed bag. I think they should have to go back to being the devil rays if they're going to get public financing though. Like (laughs) I think that should be a condition of, of a new ballpark. It's like devil rays or bust. So. Yeah, it's I don't know exactly how it solves the problem if the problem has been that it's tough to get to. Right. How if does it's this fix essentially that? in the same place? Yeah, right? it seems like it doesn't <laughs> fix it at all, Ben. Seems yeah. like it's the same sort of problem. Nicer park obviously sure. would help. There'd be a, yeah. a bit of a new ballpark boost and a, a sweetheart period for that. Mm, but yeah. I don't know. I, there are people who are fond of the trap, but I think more people would probably be pleased to have a, a new fancy park. But sure. Yeah, between that and the capacity, if it's really only 30,000, which the A's have talked about a 30,000-ish seat park in Las Vegas, too, which is is tough. I mean, even if average attendance is often lower than that, certainly for these teams it has been, it does minimize your ability to make bank when things are going well and when you're packing the ballpark. If you can't pack 40,000, 50,000 fans in there during the good times – that, that makes it a little bit tough. So I don't know how the economics of that work exactly. Or it doesn't make it tough, but it does make it tough for your fans to actually be able to go to games. Because too, yeah. I imagine that if the Rays were being honest, their answer to that will be, well, we'll pack it. It'll just be more expensive per person. And that's a way to make money. But potentially, you know, is cutting off parts of your fan base from being able to access the team, at least during big series or the postseason. So it definitely adds a dynamic to the ticket part of it that doesn't feel like it's maximizing accessibility. But yeah, I guess we'll have to see what the market bears. Yeah. Nice to have some sort of certainty, I guess, even if it's not the ideal outcome in either case or far from it in at least Oakland's case. I do wonder, I I brought up expansion because in the past, Rob Manfred has tied together the A's and Ray's situations to expansion. He's basically said we need to get that sorted before we can think about expansion because, of course, MLB and owners love to maintain the threat of moving which yes. uh, is is tough to do if you've expanded into new markets that are often yep. cited as here's where we would move the team to, right? Yeah. So so now if these teams are settled in Vegas and St. Pete respectively, then in theory, we could start to talk about expansion, which is overdue. It's been a long time since MLB yeah. has expanded. The caliber of play keeps increasing. Yeah. It's high time to have expansion, though I do wonder whether Manfred will walk that back 
we've talked about expansion before. We'll talk about it again and the different oh, yeah. incentives and reasons why owners would want it or wouldn't want it. One reason they would is, of course, you get a couple bill, right, for a new yeah. franchise that gets spread around to the other teams just from buying into the ownership group. On the other hand, as our pal Evan Drellick has documented lately for The Athletic, this is not new, but it has right. been sort of a, an acceleration of the rhetoric of owners talking about getting renovations or else, yeah. right? Or a new yep. ballpark or else. It's in cities that seem like they don't necessarily need a new ballpark. Maybe they have yep. beautiful ballparks already. Maybe their ballparks aren't that old, but Arizona, Anaheim, Kansas yeah. City, Chicago, Baltimore, right everywhere. It's we need public funds. We need to spruce this place up. We need a new place entirely. So will in the end those owners and Rob Manfred, who works for the owners, actually want to take away the stick that goes with yeah. the carrot when you try to persuade your local politicians to give you Boku bucks to fund a new ballpark. So we will see whether that actually happens. Bills, Boku bucks. Like, what are you you're doing? <laughs> you're trying some new stuff over there. Yeah. Um, two things can be true simultaneously. Like, you can look at the situation in the trap or like, let me speak to a thought that I had even just yesterday watching the Arizona Diamondbacks play the Cubs. Like, you can want a facelift to a ballpark, you can acknowledge that there might be aspects of it that aren't to major league standard anymore and still not think that the expense should be borne by taxpayers, right? Like in Arizona, they can't open the roof with fans inside. Like mm -hmm. they're not allowed to do that for liability reasons anymore because of, I don't know what would happen. Stuff would fall down, question mm -hmm. mark. Um, I don't want to speak out of turn about like how catastrophic that could be, but like the understanding I have is that they are not able to, like the roof does open. It's not like mm -hmm. broken, but they can't do that process when there are fans in the stands because they're concerned about, I guess, something catastrophic happening. Like that should be addressed. You know, they should mm -hmm. have better concessions at Chase just as like a separate thought. But that isn't in my opinion, the responsibility of taxpayers, it should be the responsibility of the the team owner. And so you, you can we can want we can want spiff. We just can think it's important for that to be something that is borne by someone else and not, you know, the taxpayers of the greater Tampa Bay area or mm -hmm. Maricopa County, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Two more things. One Raymond Chen, who is the primary keeper of the Effectively Wild Wiki these days, mm. though he would certainly welcome assistance. Anyone can contribute. But in our Patreon Discord group, he brought up the goals that our season preview podcast guests had mentioned for each oh. team because we didn't do win total predictions this year. We basically said, what would constitute a successful season for yeah. this team? And some of those goals were more specific than others. Sure. But for most of them, at least, we can assess whether they have been accomplished thus mm. far. And I think it might be fun to just run down what they were and whether those teams have succeeded or failed or whether they're on track to accomplish these things. So just starting here, I guess this is uh, in order of the pods and the projections at the time. The Braves, what would constitute success was win the World Series. So okay. TPD on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 
they are still the favorites, right? Yeah. They are, I think, by general Heavy. acclamation, the best team in baseball and yes. certainly the best team in the league and by the Fangraphs playoff odds heavy favorites, by which I mean highest World Series odds. I don't mean that they are more likely to win than not. This is baseball, of course, so right. your favorite is always going to be not likely to win compared to the field, but they're sure. more likely than any other team to win. And, right? and by a meaningful margin mm-hmm. at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Yes. And, and you could say like, Hey, actually winning the World Series, uh, that comes down to so much randomness of of the playoffs and even a single series. So that's tough to hold them to that standard. But you sure. could hold them to the standard of, well, it's uh, the end of the season. Entering the playoffs, are they the favorite? Like, that means that you're the best team. I mean, what more can yeah. you ask, really, than to be the favorite? I guess you can ask to actually win. A lot of fans yeah. ask that. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but in terms of, like... The process and what can the sure. team do to put themselves in a position to win? All you can really ask is to be the favorite. And yeah, their World Series odds right now are almost double the yeah. next highest team, the Astros, and yeah, double they... the next highest NL team, the Dodgers, more than yeah. double. Have you had any moments in the last little bit, Ben, where you've been like, wow, how many All-Stars are you allowed to have in one lineup? Yeah. Because I've been, I've just been like sitting with their line up a lot the last little bit here because, you know, people are into the part of the year where they start arguing about awards voting in a kind of incessant way. And you're just, <laughs> uh, you're like, wow, wow, mm-hmm. wow, you know? And even the guys who I imagined being sort of on the edge of contributing anything to the lineup are there are plenty of reasons to object to Marcelo Zuna's presence on this roster. He's a 130 WRC plus, Ben. Mm-hmm. When the hell did that happen? <laughs> no. I what mean, the? I had the thought, hey, maybe Atlanta has too many All-Stars like at the All-Star game. <laughs> but, I think no. Yeah. I think they had the right I think they had the no, right. I, I mean, they deserved. Number. They deserved to have yeah. all those maybe more. It's just yeah. uh, I think we mentioned at the time like should we yeah. cap, cap this cuz yeah, like, it was a lot. Do they just have too many good players? Is this too many All-Stars right. from one team even if they all deserve Break to be up. there? Yeah. Break them up. All right. Next team, Padres. What would constitute success for the San Diego Padres? Finish ahead of the Dodgers. Well, that didn't happen. No, that did not happen. I think we got to grade that one a fail. Sorry. These are pass fail. Yankees, make the World Series, finish better than the Astros. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, Fail, fail. uh, That is a fail, right? They've they've pulled out of their tailspin. I don't know whether they've saved anyone's job, but they're a winning team. They are not a last place team currently. They're saving some face, but they are certainly not going to make the World Series or finish better than the Astros. Okay. Mets make the World Series. (laughs) (sighs) Boy. Hmm. Don't think that's going to happen. Not in the the cards this year. Yeah. Yeah. Fail on that one. Rays stay hot and healthy in postseason. Well, oh, okay. So we can't judge that in its entirety yet. No. Um, the healthy piece of it yeah. is, you know, <laughs> whew, they yeesh, have not stayed healthy. Colorful. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. managed to replace some of their injured yes. players with uh, the Jake Diekmans of the world and yes. the, the Zach Littells and the. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind God, of amazing. Zach Littell. Yeah. Zach, the, what the hell, man? I don't what? know. I don't like, know. What the hell? <laughs> 
I, just... I really don't know. Yeah, Robert Stevenson. Uh, like, yeah. they've got this patchwork staff. I mean, yeah, they have some some good pitchers still, obviously. They have Tyler Glasnow, who's really good, and, and they signed Zach Eflin, and Zach Eflin's been good. But just in the absence of so many of their injured guys, they really have just kept it going with just picking up pitchers off the scrap heap, yeah. essentially. not That's not the whole reason that they've done it, but that certainly yeah. has helped. Anyway, so yeah, stay hot, maybe. Stay healthy, not so much, but this mm. is uh, partly postseason specific. All right, Astros win the World Series, just like the Braves. Okay, TBD yeah. on that one. Blue Jays win mm. AL East, mm. reach second round of playoffs. Well, they've well, certainly failed at the first part. One, But the other one's in play still, potentially. It's yeah. It's it's possible. It's yeah. been a volatile yeah. last week or so for the Blue Jays yeah. postseason odds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like been high, very low. Now back to eh, pretty high again. Yeah, yeah. Mariners are doing their best to help them out. Yeah, mm. Rangers too. <laughs> but yeah. all right, uh, Dodgers make the World Series. Okay, TBD on that one too. Yeah, Cardinals advance to second round of playoffs. Mm. Don't no. think so. No. Yeah, no, won't All be right. doing that. Phillies home field advantage in the NLCS. Mm. Don't, don't think that's happening. Right? No, seems no. unlikely. No, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Brewers mm. make the playoffs. That's mm. uh, that's that seems to be done, right? Have they clinched? I uh, guess they haven't. They have they, not technically. They've clinched. not clinched the central. No, but no, they're. They're as close to clinching as you yeah, can they're, get without. Yeah, they're six and a half games up on the Cubs as we record on Monday morning. Yeah, so their, their playoff odds are 100.2%. Yeah, they're quite comfortable in that respect, but yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay, well, we got to call that one a success then. Yeah. Mariners make the mm. playoffs. Mm. <laughs> ben, you know, that last week of the season is going to give me gray hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's coming down to the wire on that one. Yeah. All right. Guardians. Guardians goal, sustained performance from 2022. Mm, yeah, so I guess fail. we got to say that hasn't happened. That right? hasn't happened. No, they it has not. cratered or anything, but but yeah, they're, they're not. No. I mean, not that they were like that great last year, but right. hey, they won the division. They were they a did. surprised fun team and yeah. they have not built on that. Their offense no. has not even like scrapped its way to being decent. <laughs> it's no, just, it's not it's good. Been very, it's, it has in fact been um, quite poor, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not that it hasn't, it's not just that it hasn't been good. It has in fact been very bad. Um, yep. I just am shocked. You know, we projected them, I think for like 81, 82 wins uh, beginning of the season. And now they're kind of looking at like a 78 win kind of deal. And it's just so strange that their um, Twitter account hasn't been talking about the change in playoff odds. I don't know, Ben. Like, it's so weird. You're doing a, a reverse gloat now that uh, some teams and players will will bring up the playoff odds and, and say, you were wrong. We were right all along. They have they the chip just... on the shoulder. You're kind of you're doing the opposite of that. I just, uh, you know, I have a lot of grace and patience in my heart, but sometimes mm-hmm. people are quite rude. And mm-hmm. then I feel like they should uh, be reminded of their rudeness and maybe feel a little bad about it. <laughs> the Guardians offense slightly better than the Brewers. So uh, there's that. Yeah, but... that, 
That um, Brewers team is straight up wild. <laughs> and I think that if anyone is interested in the hows and whys, uh, Chris Gilligan wrote about sort of how strongly bifurcated their production has been between mm-hmm. pitching and hitting uh, yeah. for us uh, last Friday. And mm-hmm. people should read about that because what they are doing is, it's not unprecedented, but it is quite rare. Mm-hmm. I am fascinated by them. So everyone should yeah. check out that Chris piece. And a big part of yeah. it is defense too. The Brewers have yeah. a great defense. Really. The Guardians is, is fine. It's is pretty good, yeah. but, not, but not helping them out quite as much as Milwaukee's no. is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Continuing, we have the Angels make the playoffs. Mm. <laughs> Going to return to the Angels in a moment, but oh, man, suffice it to say, mess. fail on that one. All right. <laughs> Giants Oof. show progress in player development. Hmm. We this was a this was Grant right that offered this as a yeah must have been. Yeah, and I just have to say, Grant, um, hats off to you because what does that mean? You know, like <laughs> how how does one gauge that as a mm-hmm. potential success or failure? So I say to you, uh, Grant, well done. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm using Raymond's uh, short summaries here of sure, what the guest sure. said, so I'm sure Grant offered a bit more specificity than that. But are you? There's, <laughs> there's been we love you, Grant. S- some progress. Uh, sure. Certainly, there there couldn't help but be some progress in some quarters in player development. Sure. So, I don't know. Has there been enough progress to say it's been a success purely? On that score, I don't know. I mean, they've I know, graduated man. some guys who've done yeah. okay, and yeah. they've, they've got some prospects coming along. I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know if they've shown so much progress that it's like, wow, they completely turned things around, and now you can see them going with the youth movement and being great next year, right? Like, until sure. very recently, there was some talk about, like, will Farhan be back? You know, like, there was recently yeah. a, a vote of confidence, like, Kapler and, and Farhan will both be back. But yeah. the fact that that even had to be said maybe doesn't speak to this is going great. The rebuild is is going so well that we can clearly see that the next great Giants team is right around the corner. Patrick Bailey is a very good defensive catcher Mm -hmm. in a way that is shocking when you watch him just because he's kind of weird. Like the way he throws is kind of weird. It doesn't look like it should work. And it does. And so like Mm -hmm. that's exciting. They've had some of their reclamation project guys be like fine. You know, they've been fine. Mm -hmm. Have all of them been amazing? No, but they've been they've been fine, Ben. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's something. What an interesting org. They want to spend money so badly. You know, Mm -hmm. they're just so desperate to just back up a Brinks truck and no mm-hmm. one will accept their Brinks truck. That seems like a shame. Maybe they'll spend it on Otani. Who could mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're not regretting the Carlos Correa non-acceptance oh. of the Brinks truck, or I guess he accepted the Brinks truck and then they right. decided they, they, they actually didn't away. want to give him the Brinks truck. Yeah, yeah. like in the movie The Town. <laughs> right. I've seen recent movies. <laughs> I went to a, Ben, I went to a movie on Saturday. Can oh, I yeah? briefly offer this aside? Can I... Sure. Um, look, I, I think that we are often at risk of like observing things anecdotally and then um, ascribing like a broader societal trend to them in a way that ultimately doesn't end up being supported. But like mm-hmm. um, people are really misbehaving at movies lately. Mm, yes. I feel comfortable saying that I am concerned, capital C, about the etiquette that we are displaying or not at movies because I went to see A Haunting in Venice. Oh. So like a, I like a good period detective romp, Ben. Those uh-huh. are fun. Mm-hmm. multiple people just talked through it the whole movie like they talked <laughs> the whole time ben mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i 
I was like looking around, like, is anybody else <laughs> the, the pointed this? look. You're not a not a shusher, right? But but you're not above the the pointed look. Oh, I I um I am a firm believer in the pointed look yeah. because I think that part of it is that most people they just are like they they, they kind of come outside themselves for a second and then they mm-hmm. like notice that they are doing that and they go, oh, I got to hush. And then they Mm -hmm. hush and then you all carry on and you get to watch the movie as it was intended to be seen. And instead on Saturday, just like a real extra soundtrack. of. And like, here's the thing, Ben, the mystery is not that complicated. And they will famously tell you the answer at the end because that's the whole point of the movie is the reveal where... You know, Kenneth Branagh as Perot tells you, like, here's who did it. And he does it in a French accent. And his is not much better than mine, but I will not offer my own. <laughs> Talking just And I, they were above um, shushing and they were above pointed looks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to you adding a Haunting in Venice references to your repertoire. Just. Just mixing those in among the miscongeniality in the town, right? Yeah. Every, every decade of, or so, you yeah, see a new movie to get yeah. some references. <laughs> yeah, there are parts of miscongeniality that don't hold up, but I maintain that it is um, a delight and one of Shatner's better performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, a big movie man, but, but not so much a movie theater man. I could kind of take or leave the theater despite having had many wonderful theater experiences in my yeah. life. But yes, I, I am bothered a bit by the noise and the conversation and the crinkling. It's gotten worse. <laughs> I don't know whether it's gotten worse. I've seen people complain about that, but I also yeah. recently read a, a study about how we all always think that yes. behavior is, is getting worse. And so people always think that everyone else, like society's just completely falling apart and sure. societal standards, which look in some ways maybe maybe mm. it's true but also it seems mm. like historically we all think that everyone around us is right. just getting worse behaved and more immoral yeah. and it it doesn't really hold true because when you look right. at like actual attitudes that people have they haven't yeah. actually changed really yeah. so i don't know whether people's uh, behavior in theaters has gotten worse or whether it's like a post pandemic thing or whether it's right. uh, th- theaters are less crowded now or different types of people are going to movies than used to go to movies i don't know yeah. if any change has happened cuz i've certainly had not the best spectator experiences in movie theaters uh, going back a bit right sure. so i don't know totally. but but yeah you're right it happens yeah. Okay. I'm returning to teams failing to live up to expectations, <laughs> much like the moviegoers around me on Saturday. All right. Twins break the postseason losing streak. <laughs> so obviously TBD on that too, TBD. but they're going to get a chance to at least. Yeah. Okay. Red Sox, 85 Aww. wins, top three finish. So this was not a unrealistic goal, but also not going to happen. I don't think so. But probably if uh, they were going to, I don't know whether if they were going to do this, that it would have saved Heimblum's job. Yeah. But, but generally when a GM slash Pobo slash chief baseball officer is Pobo. fired, it uh, generally indicates that the team has not met its goals or expectations. So yeah. they're not going to finish way far away. They, they're 74 and 76, but they're probably not going to get to 85 unless they basically win out. We only got a couple weeks left here, and they're in last place currently. So, yeah. Pobo. Yeah. Rangers make the playoffs. Mm. <laughs> so, still 
up in the air as we speak. Yep. They are at uh, 71% chance to make the playoffs right now with the Mariners at 54. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to come down to the wire as well. White Sox win AL Central and make ALTS. <laughs> okay. That did not happen. All right. Marlins, all right. Winning record, fourth okay. place in division. Hey. Okay. All right. Marlins okay. Marlins are, are going to do it. They're 78 and 72. They just swept Atlanta post-clinching. Maybe just a post-clinching hangover if that's a thing. But Marlins uh, trounced the Braves. Looked good doing it. Yeah. And they're in third place. And unless they really finish badly, they are yeah. going to do this. So, yeah, I think we provisionally probably a win for them. <gasps> Gosh, Ben, what odds would you have offered at the beginning of the season that of all of the teams to exceed expectations or at least meet them that they would be on this list? I think they would have been pretty low for me. So good for them, man. Yeah. There were people who sort of believed in the Marlins as a dark horse uh, even like last year, right? And and yeah, they are – 30 and 12 in one run games, you know, yeah. and, and they're, they've been outscored by quite a bit on the season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, they're doing it in a weird way, but yeah. they're doing it. So they're doing it. <laughs> it counts mm. as a success. All right. Orioles make the playoffs. Heck yeah. Not Heck only yeah. They, wow. they've uh, already clinched and they are leading in the division right now. So yep. yes, Diamondbacks was apparently if enough of the young players take steps forward and kind of keep them in the hunt and give you a reason to think that the future is bright. I think that they've succeeded by that yeah. measure. Yeah, I think so. definitely. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've had young guys uh, who've been good. Yeah. And they are certainly in the hunt, Yeah, right? They're 56% playoff odds right now. So yeah. they're sort of Just in that. Just swept the Cubs. Mariners. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, whom, Cubs are next. Mm. Make the playoffs is uh, their success Good goal here. So, uh, yeah, looking looking better recently. Yeah. Now they're down to basically a coin flip too. So a lot yeah. of volatility in the NL wild, well, both wild card races as yeah. you'd expect. So yeah. that's one we're going to have to reserve judgment on too. Oh, boy. Okay. Royals, improve pitching, find center fielder. Hmm. <sighs> Well, okay. So it depends how generous we want. I mean, like Cole Reagans is really good. Mm-hmm. So does that count? He is pitching and they found him. They improved him. He, he has improved he as has we discussed. Improved. Did they yeah. do it? I don't know, man. But like <laughs> he has done it and he pay, he is an employee of the Kansas City Royals and they mm-hmm. clearly saw something they liked, right? Because mm-hmm. they went out and got that guy. Yeah. He was less good before than he mm-hmm. is now. Yeah. He had that weird bout of wildness two yeah. starts ago like at the end of his start he was uh, like falling over like tripping on the mound and just had like three pitches in a row that just went every which way yeah. and then his most recent start was against the Astros in fairness but wasn't great but but wasn't bad you almost worried like oh is this like a yip situation out of nowhere but he walked two and struck out seven and six yeah. innings against the Astros it was okay so he's yeah. probably all right but but fine. yeah I don't know whether you can say like the team as a whole has right. had a whole lot of success in that area. No, definitely so. not. You would say to the downside, in fact. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they're 27th in pitcher war. 
there was a lot of hope. It was like, okay, we'll we'll move on from our previous pitching yeah. coach, Brad Eldred, and we'll, we'll get the new age people in here, and uh, we'll suddenly be an organization that's good at this. And yeah, I don't know if you can have confidence that that's the case yet. So well, and it stinks because like. Chris Bubich looked like he was doing so well and it was so exciting and then he got hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. So some of it is injury related, but some of it is just the Royals being not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as for finding a center fielder, mm. hmm, I, mm. yeah, I don't know if that's – I mean, I, let's see where they – they rank just in terms of uh, center field war, and that will be one way to assess this. Mm, you know who's at the top of the center field war leaderboard? Uh, Seattle. <laughs> Julio. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay. But mm. the Royals are second to last. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I don't know. I I am sympathetic to – I don't want to give them a pass, but some of their – like injury stuff happened so early. I don't know. I just feel like an incomplete to me almost, mm-hmm. you know, they, yeah. it, it does feel like, here's a weird anecdote. It does feel like every time I hear someone talking about teams playing the Royals lately, they talk about how scrappy and hard they play teams mm. that are better than them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that real? Who could say? <laughs> Pirates win 70 plus games. All right. Mm. They've done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good for them. I mean, I guess they've won exactly 70 as we speak. Yeah. So they'll probably is, win uh, at least one more. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So this is sort of uh, setting a low baseline for success. But hey, the Pirates as an organization have done that lately. All yeah. right. Tigers. Wow. Very specific. 77 plus wins. Mm. So they're probably not quite going to get there. They're, they're at 70 and 79. It's within reach. But. Probably not. So, as we've discussed, they've they've certainly had some signs of progress and players taking steps forward and establishing themselves. But yeah, yeah I don't know if they're going to get to the seventy-seven plus wins. It'll be Maybe it'll be not. close. All right, A's resolve uh, stadium situation. Well. <laughs> sort of, I, I guess so. It's not the resolution that Ace fans wanted, and it's still not entirely totally resolved. Totally resolved, yeah. Yeah, it's mm. more resolved than it was. Was, but that's yeah. not. That wasn't the thing. That no. wasn't the thing. It said resolved, and you know mm-hmm. what? It's not yet fully resolved. No. Yeah. Okay. I think we we got to give them a a fail here, or at least an incomplete. Incomplete. Yeah. yeah. You could. Mm-hmm. I guess something could come up. Soon, yeah. But okay. Yeah. Nationals lose mm-hmm. fewer than a hundred games. All right. I I think they're gonna do it. They, wow. uh, they're sixty six and eighty four. So yeah. yeah. Congrats to the Nationals. I mean, this yeah. is you know we talked about the White Sox and the Red Sox. The Sox failed their goals and yeah. had changes at the top. And yeah. here are the Nationals exceeding their far lower goal, but but accomplishing it. And now they've uh, had extensions and stability at the top. Yeah. So. Sometimes it's all about setting low expectations and exceeding them. All right. The Reds, this is going to be an incomplete until next year, but sell out opening day 2024. Mm. So 
I think I don't remember the tenor of that preview conversation, but I that probably suggests that it was more about just getting people excited for next season than about contending this season. And so I, I think you've got to say that the Reds are a success there. They're still oh, yeah. in the running very much, and they were not expected to to be where they are this soon. So it's been a fun season, an exciting season. They've been in contention, and we'll have to wait and see about the sellout, but there's every reason to think that people will start to come out and support this team oh, more yeah. now that they've got some good, exciting players. I, in fact, would be shocked if they did not sell out their opening mm-hmm. day next year. Yeah, I would be very surprised by that, given mm-hmm. the reasons that all of the guys on that team have given fans to be excited. So, yeah. yeah. And lastly, the Rockies. Mm. Make trades and let prospects play. So they did make trades, yeah. technically, after not making any mm. <laughs> last year, right? They they yeah. made some trades. They did. The most exciting, but they made some. And let prospects play? I, I, I guess they let prospects play. I mean, some. I don't know. Ezekiel Tovar has been there all season. They've stuck with him. And yeah. uh, he's had some issues offensively, but overall has been a positive contributor. So they've allowed that to happen. They've uh, given Nolan, Nolan Jones. Jones a shot yeah. and, and he's been good, right? Yeah, Looking he has like been. Perhaps the Guardians could have used his yeah. <laughs> his services uh, at the plate and in the outfield. So Yeah, could so have. I guess uh, guess we got to grade the Rockies as Oh my gosh, do we got to hand it to them? Maybe. I think yeah. we maybe got to hand it to Again, them. And look, low, they, low bar, but they can, th- we can hand it to them and still say, what a weird org. Cause yeah. you know, again, multiple things can be true simultaneously, Yeah, but we maybe have to, you know, do a, a minor, a, a small hat tip, like a, yeah, Based on the the very specific very goals specific. outlined by <laughs> not the organization itself. Exactly right. Yes. So if if uh, Dick Monfort or whoever was expecting a 500 season or something, not going to get that. But right. in fact, they might still lose 100 games. So I, yeah. I don't think most people would consider this a success. But no. going by the the very specific yeah. criteria that we're talking yeah. about here, I I guess we got to do in fact have to hand it to them. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun. Perhaps we'll revisit one final time at the end of the season, although most of the ones that are up in the air are make playoffs or win World Series. And yeah. uh, you you will all know whether that happened or not without us yeah. telling you. Yeah, but they might want to be reminded. You never know. Mm-hmm. All right. And finally, so a little bit on the Angels here. Mm. Now, the Angels... Just, what is going on, Ben? They cannot do anything not weirdly, right? Oh, yeah. so, so weird. What happened with Shohei Otani is not on the surface super strange, really. Like nothing happened except that the oblique injury that had been sidelining him, he had another MRI. I guess it was severe enough that they weren't going to push it and have him come back. And right. also maybe he is about to have some sort of elbow procedure. We still yeah. don't know what or when, but yeah. but knowing now that, that he can't play or he's not fully healthy and obviously the Angels are out of it, okay, maybe he can get a head start on the recovery from that. So fine, that's not weird. I mean, it's unfortunate. I'm sorry right. that this uh, season for the ages is in the books uh, sooner than we all thought it would be and wanted it to be. Still a very special season, almost certainly an MVP season. Mm -hmm. Sort of sad that he didn't get to put some cherries on top by playing and 
playing two ways or even one way all the way down the stretch, but still amazing season. So the weird thing about it was just the way that it was announced. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that was on the Angels and how much of that was Otani, but what came out was like, he's cleaned out his locker. Yeah. All his stuff is gone from his locker. Like they threw away the water bottle, you know, his locker is empty. And so everyone is speculating and wondering, like, well, what happened? Did he just desert? Right. Like, is he AWOL? Like, did he just decide I've had enough? Which would not be in character for Shohei Otani. But the Angels wouldn't or couldn't or didn't say, right? They were so like, weird. we'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> you know? It's so weird. Very weird. Which, again, I, like, I guess there's some scenario where, like, it was in deference to Otani. Like, Otani yeah. wasn't around to make a statement or something. or. Yeah. That they didn't want to announce it before he was ready for them to announce it. I don't know. But it was just one of those weird angels things where it's like we yeah. find out that he's just gone. Yep. And he's he's not gone, gone. Like he's physically present. He's around the team still, you know. So it's not like he deserted. But for a while there, it seemed like or people were speculating at least that there had been some sort of uh, fracture between them. Yeah. And that was just a very angels thing for that. Yep. Speculation even to fester, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the angels. You can imagine almost anything, and yeah. they will not necessarily disabuse you of those notions. Well, you know, they just know that he needs to get back to his law practice because the paperwork <laughs> is piling up, Ben. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clients are calling, and they want to know if their, you know, disputes are resolved. And so... Like any simple country lawyer, he just had to get back to it, and he didn't yeah. have time. He didn't even have time to to throw out his water bottle, you know? Mm-hmm. He just didn't even have time for that. And they didn't want to, you know, let something grow in there. They have enough problems. They don't need to start a new civilization in his water bottle, so they had to get rid of it. But, yeah, <laughs> sure. it's so weird. It's yes. And I think you're right. It is important to acknowledge that, like, our instinct is to ascribe sort of a bumblingness to anything mm-hmm. that concerns the angels because— like they make it pretty easy for you to do that yeah (laughs) but the thing of it is you know it could be that it was just like a weird he had a doctor's appointment he had to go Mm -hmm. get imaging done for you know the surgery whatever it ends up being that he is Mm -hmm. no doubt going to need there there are plenty of just like eh, it's just a weird thing that's easy to resolve but you know, part of why you should conduct yourself like a more typical uh, organization is that you would not assume that something like I was just like, did they lose him? Is he trapped somewhere <laughs> in the facility? Because like I like to joke, but he is yeah. not, in fact, an I'm attorney just to my scrambling knowledge. Scrambling behind so. the scenes, like <laughs> we got to find him. Uh-oh, where did they he go? Noticed. He's not here. We don't know where he is. We left him just like in the airport or something. (laughs) I would have loved it so much if like, you know, they're like, we don't know where he is. And then, you know, there would have been a cut to a, you know, one of the writer's strike picket lines in Hollywood. And it's like, he's right there. He's just like, you know, feels really strongly that Bill Maher should not come back. (sighs) Well, it's sort of a a fitting ignominious ending, I suppose, to his Angel's tenure. Not to his part of the Angel's tenure, but to what the angels were doing while he was with them. And the other aspect of this that I want to talk about a little more in depth is Anthony Rendon, okay? Because... what? Yeah, this was actually the weirder thing. It is weirder. 
And this is another scenario where not totally sure whether this is more on the team yes. or on the player. Yes. I, I'm I'm fascinated by Anthony Rentum. Oh my god. I, I have yeah. been for a while. And what a what a guy he <laughs> seems to be. What a weird he really he really is interesting, right? Yeah. Like I, I did a little deep dive here on just like the history of Anthony Rendon talking or not talking to the yeah. media and just coming up with quotes and how he's been portrayed yeah. and regarded because there are ways in which I identify with Anthony Rendon. We are very different in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I think geographically and religiously and politically, we're pretty different. He yeah. is from Texas. Uh, I am not from Texas, as you may have divined. He is yeah. uh, a very religious man. I am not. Uh, right. He is or at least has been a Trump guy. Yeah. Not, not me, right? So yeah. there are a lot of ways in which we're not aligned. But there are also a lot of ways in which... I feel like, oh, yeah, like I, I feel that way too. Like this is – maybe this is what I would be like if I were good enough to be a major league baseball player. And there are things that he has said at times that are kind of refreshing but are maybe more refreshing when he is one of the best players in baseball yeah. as opposed to someone who barely plays and doesn't yeah. play that well when he does play. So yeah. it's it's not really that Anthony Rendon – has changed like as a personality right. i don't think it's it's more that his play and his availability have changed yeah. and that has led to a, a change in perception of him although there's always been a bit of that right so yeah anthony randone hasn't played for quite a while and wasn't playing that great even when he was playing and yeah. he had other injury issues earlier this year and then what fouled a, a ball off himself and at first it was like we don't even know if he's going on the IL and I remember right. saying it's Anthony Rendon I think he's probably going to go on the IL <laughs> right. and he did and he hasn't played since and he has declined to address what is going on with him yeah. over a period of months right and and many times being asked about this and it's been almost like a little comedy routine that I don't think writers or fans have found funny, but perhaps no. he has, right, where right. the writers will ask him about his status and he will find some way not to answer. So he yeah. initially he said he was on the dead list and people on the dead list don't have to talk. And then he compared himself to the Terminator and said he'd be back, but refused to say when he'd be back. And then this was in July. He, he said, I'm not here. And walked out of the clubhouse. And earlier this month, he said no habla inglés today. I don't think he conjugated that correctly. So it's mm -hmm. uh, actually true. He he didn't hablo inglés. But he's come up with all these reasons not to talk. And if yeah. you want to be sympathetic and charitable, you could say, uh, hey, it probably sucks to talk about how sure. you're hurt and you're not able to play. And I guess he's not obligated necessarily to say what is going on with him. But he finally came out and uh, grudgingly gave the writers a, a few minutes. And by that, I mean literally a few minutes. Right? Yeah. He said he'd take questions for a few minutes. And he asked the team rep, like, how long do they have? Like, how much longer is the clubhouse open? And the rep said four minutes. And he was like, let's do it in three. <laughs> so, so they finally got their questions in and he answered – and he said that he has a, a fractured tibia. Yeah. Now, the team all along has described this as a, a bone bruise or a deep bone bruise. And apparently, he has now seen five doctors about this. So I, I guess he saw 
two doctors selected by the team and two doctors he selected. And all of those four said he had a, a bone bruise. And then this fifth one that he just went to this month after continuing to experience pain said it's a, a fractured tibia. So it's like a four out of five doctors agree that this is a bone bruise and this latest one says it's a fracture. Now, ultimately, I don't know that it matters that much because uh, according He's to the team- He's not available anyway, right? Right. According right. to the team and also according to Rendon's agent, Scott Boris, like you treat these two injuries essentially the same anyway. It's not mm. like you would do something different for a fracture that you do for a deep bone bruise. And I guess it's kind of a hazy- line between them and maybe it's tough to tell whether it's one or the other so when asked why there was this discrepancy in the diagnosis rendon said you can ask them them being the angels anyway this is uh, anthony rendon right and so right. when asked if he planned to return next year if healthy he said i don't know he said trying to get through today and then he was asked whether he was considering retirement and he said I think with a smile, I've been contemplating it the last 10 years, right? <laughs> a lot of his uh, quotes, I, I think probably you have to be there or you, you sure. have to hear it. Like he has this kind of dry, dry humor yeah. maybe, and it reads worse in print maybe than it does when he actually said it. But right. but I don't know that most fans would uh, warm to him either way, right? So. This just goes back to this kind of long-standing perception of Rendon that either he doesn't like baseball or doesn't love right. baseball or he doesn't really want to play. He doesn't really want to get back out there. And that's the whole thing. That's why people pile on. He's in a way making this worse for himself. I don't know whether he realizes that or not or whether he cares. But sure. If he came out and said the typical things that players say when they're hurt and was like, gee, yeah, I, I would love nothing better than to be out there. This is so frustrating. I mean, he did right. acknowledge that it was frustrating that he's gotten hurt so much. But but if he were more not contrite or apologetic exactly, but just commiserating almost with the fans who are frustrated that he hasn't been able to play and, and saying that he really shares that frustration, like he, he feels it and means it and that he's doing everything he possibly can to get back out there. The typical things that players say, right? people would probably get off his back a bit. And as it is, I think people question, does he really want to be out there, right? right. Is he trying his hardest to be out there, which is perhaps – Unfair. We don't really know what's in his heart and what he's doing behind closed doors. But I think a lot of the things that he has said over the years, when he was healthy, when he was playing well, people gave it a pass or let it slide or said, oh, that's just Anthony being Anthony. And hey, as long as he's playing. But as soon as he's not playing and not playing right. well, then people look at all these quotes and yeah. say, you know, like <laughs> if he's been thinking about retiring for the last 10 years, then – is he trying his absolute hardest to get back out there? So it's a tough situation because he is owed quite a bit of money still. Yeah. And uh, other than his first season with the Angels, which was a shortened season because it was 2020, he has not nearly played the way that they thought he would, that he did with the Nationals. And I don't know if there's any reason to expect him to suddenly get back to that form as he's now 33 and has a, an ever-lengthening injury history. Yeah, 
Oh, I have so many thoughts, Ben. <laughs> there is something that I find deeply relatable, like as a millennial, to be like thinking about retirement. Of course, <laughs> I view it as like, you know, it's the horizon. You never actually get closer to it. <laughs> so there's that piece of things. I wonder if Anthony Rendon would like to see the classic film center stage where Maureen, <laughs> despite being the best goddamn dancer at the American Ballet Academy, realizes she doesn't want to be a dancer, Ben. She just doesn't. And she asked her mom in a heartfelt moment, wouldn't you rather I found something I wow. really loved than something I was just good at? Yeah. Whipping out yet another movie reference from, from I guess, the same year as Miss Congeniality. That was a big year for you. <laughs> Why to Okay. <laughs> yeah, the other very millennial thing to do is to like have a couple movies and be like, I don't need to see any more ones. I'm content with these. I feel like I've understood the world enough for me. <laughs> I think the look, it's the like player health thing is always like a sticky wicket because fundamentally it is really weird how much we know about these guys by virtue of the fact that they happen to play baseball. And, mm -hmm. you more know... More so than other sports, even, right? Yes, when much more it's than much other much more sports. obscured, yeah. Yeah, and most of the time, that means that we know stuff about them, like, within the context of playing baseball. And then sometimes, like, we know a lot about Mitch Hanniger's anatomy, you know? And that's... It feels weird. It feels weird to know that about a man you've mm -hmm. never met, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it. So I have sympathy for how fundamentally strange that must be and how it wouldn't take, like, I think, an abnormal expectation of privacy to be like, do I have to tell you this? Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, I'm not sending you Christmas cards. Like, mm -hmm. why must I reveal to you this thing that is personal and private and potentially painful? But also... I'm a baseball writer and I have a lot of sympathy for the folks on that beat being like, we have to ask this question. You know, mm -hmm. it is, he is owed a great deal of money. He was for a, a while thought to be sort of central to the Angels plans and hopes for really making something of this era of Angels baseball where they had Trout and Otani. And he just hasn't been able to play or be good for much of that time. And so, I think it is, while it is reasonable for him to sort of bristle at the idea of having to reveal these aspects of his life and personhood, I think it's also reasonable for him to be asked. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, he does seem like a guy who doesn't maybe super enjoy a thing that we all assume you would both just get to enjoy and also have to enjoy to play mm -hmm. at the level that he has played in the past. And, you know, I think in that respect, he's like a pretty fascinating test case and, and sort of case study for how important, I'm sorry, I'm going to do a swear again, like give a shitness is to a baseball player being able to be good because, mm -hmm. You know, he has had incredible seasons in his career, and we think of these guys as having to be all, like, piss and vinegar out there. And if they're yep. not, then they're not going to be able to sort of overcome the day-to-day -day grind of the sport and the length of the season and the competition both on the rosters that they occupy now and coming up behind them from the minor leagues. And maybe you look at how the last couple seasons have gone and say, well, he answered that question, right? Whatever level of give a shitness you have to have has to be more than what Anthony Rendon seems to have, because if he had 
more, now I'm regretting piss and vinegar, but here we are. He'd be able to overcome these injuries and get back on the field. And maybe he, you know, we look at this and might say like he's answered part of that question, right? Where if he were more sort of fiery that he'd be able to have done those things. And because he hasn't, he couldn't, who knows? But I also think that, you know, there was a stretch where you could have looked at Rendon and said, okay, maybe the way that he presents himself as a competitor differs from our expectation and what we assume to be the ideal, but maybe it has allowed him to be steady Eddie and it has allowed him to produce and it has allowed him to be kind of the guy that he is. And who are we to think that there is only one way to do that? And I think that like maybe all of those things can be true simultaneously and maybe you can have a version of yourself when you're young and strong and have been relatively healthy and that sort of flat affect serves you well and then you need to adjust as you age and be some kind of different guy i don't know like i i wouldn't presume to tell a big leaguer like here's how to be a big leaguer but it is i think that he can be like a good player who is sort of flat and quiet and doesn't bring all this like bluster and yelling and like ah and <laughs> that can be a thing that rubs people the wrong way like that mm-hmm. can be true and even you know though i have sympathy for parts of his whole deal i think it's also fine for us to be like you gotta play ball a little bit anthony like <laughs> you know yeah, i'm always just so interested in these players who achieve a lot without seemingly having the same drive that other players yeah. do or or at least maybe not vocalizing it or making it as obvious externally. Like we've talked about Jeff King and the late Mike Ivey, both of whom were first overall picks and had the same sort of like, does he like playing? Is he going right. to just walk away from playing? And from the sound of it, like they had mental health challenges, like they yeah. experienced anxiety and depression. And it's almost like a, a chicken and egg, like right. were they not as uh, gung-ho about baseball as others because their careers didn't pan out the way that you would expect a, a first overall picks to, even though they had, you know, more than a, a decade apiece in the big leagues or is that why their right. careers didn't pan out the way you would have expected them to? Or is it just something separate and it would have happened that way anyway? But right. I'm always fascinated that by that because I always wonder how many of the people who have the potential to be big leaguers right. become big leaguers or even pursue being a big leaguer or aspire to be big leaguers. Like right. even in the U.S., even in any country or culture where baseball is prominent, I wonder, because we sort of assume that we're probably finding all the people who have the the capability to be big leaguers or, okay, maybe some of them are very talented athletes and they go on to play other sports. But you don't think that much of people who have the athletic ability to be high-level professional athletes and just don't feel like it, right? right? But but there have to be a lot of those people. And that's, I identify with that not because I have the ability to be a high-level professional athlete, but because when I was a player, I wasn't a bad player and I liked playing, but I never wanted to be a baseball player. Like, I, I like playing casually, but I think a lot of baseball fans, they at least 
had that dream at some point when you were a right. kid and you want to be an astronaut or whatever. Like a lot of people right. want to be big leaguers. And then at some point, there's some heartbreaking moment where you realize I can't hit a curveball. My dream right. is dead. Right. I never had that. I never wanted to be that. There are obviously a lot of things that are appealing about the lifestyle and everything that comes with it, but I think also a lot of things that I wouldn't really be into. And so I kind of appreciate that he made it to where he is and where he was, despite not liking a lot of the trappings of that life. And remember, like this guy was one of the very best players in baseball for several seasons, right? Twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen, tied for fifth among position players with Nolan Arenado, behind Trout, Betts, Bregman, and Lindor. He was also a, a top ten position player from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen, or even twenty fourteen to twenty nineteen. Twenty fourteen was really his his first full season, and he missed most of twenty fifteen, and still was in the top ten overall over that stretch. And he was underrated, I think, partly because. He was, you know, an overall player who was uh, good at everything, really, right. without being the best at a lot of things, although he led the league in doubles and, I guess, RBI once. But between that and between his not seeking the spotlight, he just was perpetually underrated. He was, for a while, the go-to answer among, like, stat heads, like, who's the most underrated player in right. baseball, the way that Jose Ramirez might be now. It was Anthony Rendon for a while, right? And if you go to, like pages of of Anthony Rendon quotes. It's quite a journey. I will link to some and I'll link to some stories because I was perusing just the timeline because there's been a lot written about Anthony Rendon for someone who doesn't really want to be written about and doesn't really like talking to the press. I think in some ways that frustrates writers and in other ways it's like catnip for them. It's like, oh yeah, fascinating. I'm going to crack this nut. (laughs) Right. I'll I'll be the one to write the revealing profile of Anthony Rendon or just like, why is this guy wired differently from everyone else in the clubhouse? It's it's irresistible, even if he he doesn't want to give you anything. So if you go back to like July 2009, I found an article in ESPN. This was, I think, after his freshman year at Rice. And of course, he was a great college player and was drafted sixth overall. This was the the coach of Rice at the time said, if one thing is going to get Rendon through the injury, yes, he had some injuries even then, it's his passion for the game. Rendon is never going to be criticized for not trying. (laughs) Of all the kids we've ever had here, nobody has more fun playing baseball than Anthony. Graham said, I love baseball, but I never particularly loved to practice when I was a player. He loves to practice. Rendon's passion for the game comes from playing with his brother, who is four years older and challenged him to compete from a young age. It hasn't changed. Baseball is what I always wanted to do with my life. He said, I always want to play and I always want to hold a ball or glove or bat. That was Anthony Rendon, (laughs) a much younger Anthony Rendon in college. He has not really struck that same stance since for the most part, but... If you go back to 2014, that was when he really broke out in the big leagues and there was a lot written about him yet. And this quote is still sort of haunting him. It's kind of a millstone around his neck. July 2014, he said, I don't watch baseball. It's too long and boring. Right. (laughs) Now, this was pre-pitch clock. He had a point, but he said he didn't really want to watch it. Right. Whereas... You know, you hear other players and they're just like baseball rats. They're just, they think about nothing but baseball. And Rendon's just like, no, I I don't watch baseball. It's boring. And the story also said that he and his family had a rule that they won't talk about baseball when he visits, 
which, uh, look, it could be helpful, right? Your life is uh, nothing but baseball. Maybe you right. go home. It's your sanctuary. Let's just talk about other things. But yeah. still, it, it sort of smacks of like, I, I don't really like baseball that much. I don't want to talk about it when I don't have to. And then September 2014, there have been so many stories about like either Anthony Rendon makes it look easy or the other side of that coin is he doesn't look like he's trying hard. Yeah. So in September 2014, he said that comes from, I think it's just me trying to stay relaxed. That's what a lot of people say, especially in college. It looked like I'm lackadaisical out there, like I'm not really paying attention. If I'm always tense, I'm going to be overthinking the game. I try to just go with the flow. And that's another way in which I sympathize with him because I'm kind of a a calm person, which means I don't tend to get super high or low. And sometimes I think that has been read as like a lack of enthusiasm or or as indifference or something. And it's it's not that necessarily. It's just like the way I emote or don't. And so I'm sort of sympathetic there with him because what's he supposed to do if he's just like naturally athletic and he just makes it look smooth and not high effort well that's just that's who he is right like is he supposed to you know he's he's not one for eyewash that's for sure and and i appreciate that because a lot of players are are way into the eyewash and he's just like no i'm not gonna make it look harder than it is for me right so september 2014 another story I don't like being in the spotlight, as you guys in the media might have figured out. It's not who I am. It's not how I was raised. I don't like seeking all the attention. When you start doing stuff like that, it gets into your head. You are not being yourself. I just like playing the game. I don't like all the extra stuff that comes with it. I didn't like the attention, and that's what's awesome about Rice. I would go to class, walk around campus, and do my thing. No one even noticed who I was, right? So there's almost a a Granky-esque aspect to some of Rendon's quotes where it's like he just doesn't want the attention. He he wants to kind of go about his business without all the scrutiny or celebration. And with some guys, I guess that might be false humility, right? Sure. <laughs> but with him, I believe it because uh, yeah. he has constantly struck that tone. So here's another piece. October 2014, I've always been calm as long as I can remember. I'm trying to see in high school or college, I've never been like rah-rah kind of guy. It's always been just, all right, (laughs) I always feel happy for my teammates, but I'm not going to be the one at the top of the dugout yelling. Which, uh, again, just reminded me of my own early baseball career where I just – I liked being out there. I was uh, happy for for my friends and my teammates, but I I just – I didn't have the like team spirit, school spirit, uh, demonstrative rooting aspect of things. I guess I'm not like a a joiner really. Being part of a a group is uh, odd for me. So here's another story. You're renegade. March 2016, there's more in this world than just baseball. Everybody puts us players on a pedestal. Oh, they're baseball players, and they're making this much money, so they have to do this perfect, and that's perfect, and can't mess up. But we're human beings as well. And that's a a note that he's returned to also, just like there's more than baseball, right? So April 2017, another story. We're out here playing a game, and I'm not one to take it like super, super serious. Obviously, I want to win, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it's a game, and that's what I'm going to treat it as. Right. And the story continued. Plenty of athletes avoid the media, but Rendon's playful evasiveness, yeah. <laughs> which he has continued, yes. is unmatched in the Nationals clubhouse. He would rather talk about the Houston Rockets and James Harden's MVP case than what is happening on the diamond. He thinks he's in the NBA, Ryan Zimmerman cracked about his teammate. 
people, and again, he returns to this theme, people treat us and they put us on this pedestal like we're so much better human beings than them because we play a professional sport. I'm the same person as you are. I just happen to know how to hit a baseball and throw a baseball, but I probably couldn't go into somebody else's job and be as good as they are, but no one's praising them about it. Just because we're on TV, they treat us different. It's like, I'm the same person as you. Don't treat me different, which that sounds like a healthy attitude, right? It sounds like humility. And it's true. Like we don't expect people in every occupation to be a hundred percent always in and super enthusiastic about their jobs. But in baseball, we expect that because a it seems like a dream job, and hey, they're just getting to play a kids' game out there, and they're making lots of money. So how could right. you not be just totally thrilled at all times to be doing that thing? And how do you even get to that level? Like how you must be so talented if if you don't treat baseball like it's the end all and be all right if, right. if you have this perspective on it and you still are that good then yeah. you must be amazing because we think of uh, athletes as like wow they're wired in a different way they're built different right it's not just right. that they're physically skilled but also they have this mental psychological edge or drive or need to be better right this extreme competitiveness and to hear a player say that like i think it's healthy and refreshing. <laughs> like right. Maybe we should have more players expressing that. But probably a lot of people feel that way too. I bet yeah. there are people in clubhouses who feel that way but wouldn't want to say it because that kind of puts a target and a bullseye on your back. If you're not yeah. playing well, then people are going to question how much you want it, you know? Yeah. You're give a shitness. Yeah. You hear that like in the NFL draft. If if someone has oh, interests yeah. outside of football, it's like, is he committed to football? It's like it, it could just be not your entire world. Like maybe that's okay, you know? Right. And I think it is the entire world for a lot of people. Like Shohei Otani seems like he just lives and breathes baseball and he's been described as like a baseball monk. I mean, I know he likes anime, right? But, but like he, he just loves baseball and he just is so focused on it in a way that it seems Seems like Rendon isn't, but I I kind of respect that, you know, like that yeah. particular aspect of of his message. I feel like is a a positive one. It just it comes back to bite you when suddenly you're not playing or not playing well, and then people assume rightly or wrongly that you're not out there because you don't really want to be out there. You don't care right. about being out there. I think that there's. I, I guess maybe the way that I would put it is like there's not in a way that is perhaps refreshing. Like, there's a lack of guile there. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the way that he opts to express himself is, like, particularly strategic if what he wants is to kind of be able to go about his business and not be bothered. So if what he is keen to do is to be left largely alone, like, (laughs) he could adopt a less defiant approach Mm -hmm. to that and probably achieve more of the peace that he is seeking. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that, like, people... We have such weird expectations about, like, the access that we have. And I don't mean that as media members. I mean that as, like, people who observe baseball. And I think that we tend to underrate how terrible it would be to be famous like we tend (laughs) to think that like fame would be awesome because you'd have all this money and you'd have power and you'd have you know the ability to have influence and you'd be praised and you'd be admired and you'd be bothered at the grocery store and Mm -hmm. like i don't know if anthony rondone gets bothered at the grocery store but we tend to think that like 
you know, you can like send people to do that for you. So why would it matter? And it's like, can you imagine how much it would suck if you were grumpy and getting gas and somebody asked you for an autograph and then your like personhood is going to be questioned. Your character is going to be put in doubt if you're like a little snappish with a kid at the gas station. Like that suck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would, you know, I would, I would hate that. I would find that (laughs) to be awful. You know, like the amount of perceived you and I are, which is like leagues away from our (laughs) professional athlete is to my mind sometimes too much you Mm -hmm. know so i can't imagine it i would find it horrible i think that i get being like leave me the hell alone because i'm here to just do a thing and i'm going to engage with it to the extent i need to to be able to do it to the level i think is necessary and we already have endorsements of his sort of level of engagement with the game because he got to sign a big contract with the angels. And, you know, I'm sure that they wish it had gone differently than it has, but like, that's not nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am sympathetic. I, if I were in his inner circle might offer some advice on how he could have say answered some questions and perhaps been left alone Mm -hmm. but like i get the instinct to be like can i just be can i just be left to be here Mm -hmm. do i have to answer all of these questions and like the fact of the matter is can you play baseball for this baseball team is again it comes down to yeah reasonable question for media to ask and Mm -hmm. i don't think that they're you know being pushy or out of line by by asking that like because here's what here's how this conversation i don't know for sure but here's how i imagine this conversation will go you're an assigning editor and you are responsible for the work of an angel's beat you're asking so what's going on with rendon like you're Mm -hmm. asking that question probably every day you're asking that question at least once a week like it is a wildly pertinent question you a beat writer covering the angels would not be doing your job particularly well if you were like uninterested in the answer to that question and trying to get it Mm -hmm. but i also would if i had to bear even more scrutiny than I do, which is not very much, would be like, leave me alone, please. I just don't want to ever talk to anyone ever again to <laughs> yeah. be perceived it's a, a nightmare. It's interesting in Sam Blum's article for The Athletic about Rendon, he said it's not that Rendon is disliked among his teammates, the front office, his coaches, or his trainers. By all accounts, right. he has good relationships with yeah. those in the building. <laughs> so it's really more of an issue with the fans and the writers, and I'm sure ownership or front office probably not that pleased that he's making this a story. Also, we should note for all this, he's super relaxed and calm and laid back. He also like reached out and tried to hit the fan before early this season, right? Yeah. He, he, he got in yeah. trouble for that. So that was yeah. that was not good. A lot of no, my like, oh, I, I sympathize, I empathize with Anthony Rendon. Not so much that. Yeah, you can't put super, hands on Super mellow man does not do that regardless of of what the the fan was saying. Yeah, and he got suspended for that as he should have. So just a couple more quotes here from my Anthony Rendon career literature review. So from that same 2017 article, Trey Turner, who's smoother than Trey Turner? And Turner said, he makes baseball look easy. He looks like he's not trying out there. 
And Rendon laughed when he heard Turner's assessment because there was a time when his ability to make everything appear so effortless did not draw bewilderment when his laid back nature was not viewed as a positive. To some observers, he was too relaxed. His chill attitude meant baseball wasn't important to him. There was a backlash in college, Rendon recalled. They would say I was lazy. Oh, he doesn't work hard. He doesn't want to be out there. He just looks lazy out there. Okay. September 2018, another article. He says, I love baseball. I love being on the field. I love competing. But... I'm not a fan of everything that comes with it. No offense. I'm not a fan of the interviews. I'm not a fan of people coming in the clubhouse. I'm not a fan of everyone treating you different because you play a sport. How am I different than anyone else? I'm a human being and I have my faults too. And then he said, maybe I just want to be normal. I want to go home, be a dad, take them to school. That's more important to me than baseball. Then he returned to that. It's just that I want to be normal. Like I wouldn't mind. Let's go find a nine to five job. But now we're on the schedule from February to October. I'm gone. We have those three months of freedom in the off season, which is good. So it has its perks. I don't know. I think normalcy is on my mind. I've never had a spring break. We're always playing baseball. It's like, right. I want to be normal. You know, you you kind of feel for him as much as you can for someone who's making 38 and a half million dollars a year, right? Yeah. And, He did work with kids a lot at the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy. Apparently, he was good with that. And there was one time when he was, like, interviewed by the kids, and Mm. he took to that much more readily than being interviewed by media members. And one of the kids said, if you were any type of creature, what creature would you be? And he thought about this, and he said, I'd be Bigfoot, a dreamy look spreading across his face. Nobody would ever find me. (laughs) <laughs> I, I read something like that and I kind of feel for the guy, you know, but and then February 2019, okay, before his last year with the Nets, he's talking about like, is he going to sign an extension and how right. much is he going to make if he goes to free agency? He says, I don't care. You guys know my personality. My identity is not in this game. If yeah. this game is taken away from me at any time, I'd be fine going back to the house and living a happy life. If that happens, it happens. I'm going to play as long as I can. But my identity is not in this game. This game doesn't define who I am as a person, which takes us full circle to our topic from the start of this episode, right? About how hard it is to walk away and to transition into that phase of life. Doesn't seem like it's going to be that hard for Anthony Rendon whenever it happens, right? And then May 2019, he was asked if he wanted to be an all-star. He said, sure, I'd love to be an all-star without going, if that's possible. <laughs> Just very cranky, right? And, and I think that was maybe said sort of with a smile also, although he then did get selected for the team and he did not go. He said he had some minor ailments. That's the only time mm-hmm. he's been an all-star and uh, he did not show up, right? And hey, I mean, I, I love not going to things, oh, so yeah, I, I get it. You know? Yeah, you're in your 30s. Of course you love not going to yeah, things. Yeah, but, but how's a fan going to feel? Like if you're organizing right. an Anthony Rendon all-star campaign and he's like, <laughs> I'd love right. to have that honor without having to go and show up, right? So uh, it's tough. It, that it's tough. same That same summer, he said, I think I'm able to keep it even keeled. I have a good understanding that baseball is not the most important thing in the world. But at the same time, you want to get a hit. I'm competitive and I don't want to get out. But it's not the end of the world. And fans don't want to hear that. They want to hear it's the end of the world. Because to a fan, at least to a certain type of fan, it feels that way, right? And you want the players to mirror that feeling regardless of whether it's sincere or not. You want them to sort of uh, give their stamp of approval to your angst by saying, I feel this too. And I think most players, they don't feel it the same way at least that fans feel it they're frustrated but i think they have more of a long-term view you know like sure 
you make outs, you win some, you lose some, right? And fans, they don't want to hear that. And Anthony Rendon, he's not going to tell them what they want to hear. So, And that same month, I love the game of baseball. Again, the number of times he's had to say, like, I love baseball, that that tells you how often it's been questioned whether he loves baseball. I love the game of baseball. Like, I love playing. I'm just not good at, I just don't enjoy the media part of it. I don't enjoy all the different aspects that come with it, like the business side of it. If we can, like, be in the backyard playing baseball, I'd be the happiest kid in the world. You know, that's that's kind of how I feel about playing baseball as well. And I guess, uh, lastly, this was, like, during the 2019 playoffs during the NLCS, a reporter asked Dave Martinez about him and said he plays like he has no pulse. And Martinez said, sort of jokingly, yeah, he has no heart. And then he walked it back. He said, I shouldn't say that. He's got a big heart. <laughs> we just talked about this. I just watched that guy go up there in big moments and yawn during an at-bat. I mean, what does that say about him? He's just one of those guys that you see no emotion regardless of if he hits a grand slam to win the game or he makes a great play or anything. He just plays, right? And he said, I know he enjoys playing. <laughs> and believe me, when he doesn't do good, he gets really frustrated. He does even though, as I said, it looks like he has no pulse, but he does. And I know his teammates appreciate him very much. <laughs> and, then, and after the Boy. World Series, Brian Dozier, same refrain. I remember yeah. saying to myself, God, this guy doesn't really even try. And today it's the same thing. Everything comes very natural and easy. And Rendon's dad said in one article that when he was seven, eight, nine, when he wasn't doing well, he would get angry and cry. And and the dad said, you can't show emotion when you're competing because it takes you out of your game. It shows weakness to the opponent. He mm. pretty much learned that at a young age. The light bulb switched and all of a sudden he wasn't showing emotion out there. So possibly he feels things so intensely that he's actually repressing it a little bit. Maybe yeah. that it's it's simmering under there. And then finally, last quote. This was uh, after the 2019 World Series. After they won, right? And you're supposed to say, oh, my gosh, the greatest feeling in the world. This is the high point. He said, I feel like there's bigger things going on in this world. <laughs> oh, my God. A baseball game might get magnified because it's the World Series, but we're not taking bullets for our country in Afghanistan or whatever it might be. This should be a breeze, which, again, in some ways, yeah, keep things in perspective. But also, I guess you got to know that fans really care about this stuff and yeah. they probably don't want to be told by – it's almost like the Shatner at the Star Trek convention in SNL where it's like, get a life. You know, it's just right. a TV show. Like fans want to feel like you're living and dying with every pitch too. And so yeah. when a player is constantly saying, it's just baseball, I can walk away from this, then they're going to be like, please do, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you got three years of $38.5 million left on yeah. your deal. And if you don't want to be here, we don't want you to be here. <sighs> it's a complicated case. It is a complicated case. And like, you know, the fact of the matter is that the dude is hurt and hasn't played very much at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, nobody remembers 2020 because we're all still processing the trauma of having been alive. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's always gonna make people skeptical and we don't see these guys day in and day out the way that their teammates do. And, you know, when you decide that you don't want to make yourself available to the folks who could be sort of an, an intermediary for you in that regard, People are going to draw their own conclusions. And, like, he probably doesn't, you know, because of his sort of general attitude and affect, like, 
is hopefully, I guess, maybe able to put all of this stuff into perspective for himself also. But yeah, not not strategic, like I said. It's uh, And we can debate whether that kind of strategy should be necessary, but mm-hmm. it's definitely, you're seeing what happens when you just decide, I don't, I'm not going to participate in that piece of it. Like there are going to be times where people draw their own conclusions and if you're comfortable with that, then like it's no skin off your back. Like, what do you care? You Mm -hmm. know, but it is, I I think we have to feel confident that it's at least a, an earnest and sincere perspective because if it weren't, he would have changed gears just to be left alone more than he is by now. You would think. Yeah. I don't think he's doing a bit here. No, Mm -hmm. I think that this is just like, this is this is Anthony Rendon, for better or worse. All right. Well, Adam Wainwright did get win number 200 on Monday. He has those Brewers bats we talked about to thank for that, as well as his own pitching prowess. Got that ERA down closer to seven than eight. So happy he had that moment amid a disappointing season. Also, no future blast today. We're rethinking the format for those. We'll figure out what that'll look like sometime soon, but we won't have one every episode for all eternity. But to ensure that we will keep making episodes for all eternity, or, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, you can support the podcast on Patreon by going to Patreon dot com slash effectively wild as have the following five listeners david hogan tyler peterson matthew near jeff johnson and dirk keaton thanks to all of you patreon perks include access to the effectively wild discord group for patrons only access to monthly bonus episodes and playoff live streams discounts on merch and ad free fan memberships and so much more patreon.com slash effectively wild if you are a Patreon supporter, you can message us through the Patreon site. If you are not, or if you are and you just prefer email to the Patreon site, you can send us a message at podcast.fangraphs.com. Send us some questions, send us some comments. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Effectively Wild. You can follow Effectively Wild on Twitter at EWPod, and you can find the Effectively Wild subreddit at r slash Effectively Wild. Thanks to Shane McKeon for his editing and production assistance. We'll be back with another episode a little later this week. Talk to you then. 